Great Commission. I was talking to somebody recently and went yesterday and was able to preach to about 60 men, discipleship and <coughs> in the kingdom there are many churches here on earth functioning. And every church, if you go into it, they have a focus. Their focus is on certain areas of this world or the church. And where I visited yesterday, they kept saying the word commission. Our great commission is to worship Jesus. And I agree with that. But the way I look at so many different churches and fellowships, I'm talking about Christian churches. Churches that believe in Jesus Christ being the entity, one of the entities of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity of God, Lord and Savior, the very Son of God, a very God and a very man at the same time, these kind of churches. Each one of them has a, a different focus. What I'm grateful for is that God saved me in this fellowship because the focus of this fellowship has always been evangelism and the discipling of men, launching of churches, and the spreading of the kingdom throughout the world. The Great Commission to us is the very book and statements that Jesus Christ made in his ministry to go into all the world. He said it in the beginning of his ministry. He said it at the end, to go into all the world, to make disciples of every nation, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, but to go. That is the sole focus. It's the core of our fellowship. I'm so very grateful for God in our pool. Last week, I'm sitting there, and I'm mocking all of whoever was in the pool playing Marco Polo. You guys were hilarious. And then I learned this fish out of water. I learned what that was, and... I thought it was cheating is what it was and, you know, jumping out of the pool. But then he fished. And so Marco Polo, his life was interesting. In the 13th century, Niccolo Polo, this is the father of Marco Polo, was visiting the court of the grandson of Genghis Khan called Kublai Khan. Kublai Khan was the emperor of China, and he had never met Europeans before. He was delighted to meet this visitor from Venice, Italy, and he was strongly impressed by the religious faith of this man. Therefore, he sent a letter back to Europe urging that some educated men in Europe be sent to instruct Kublai Khan's people in the teachings of Christianity. But because of political upheaval and civil fighting within Europe, that was taking place, there was a long delay in anybody going to visit this area of China. Because of this failure of the Christian church of that day, Kublai Khan turned instead to Buddhism, and that today is still the predominant religion in the area. Because Christians failed to look beyond their own issues 
and go into all of the world. This is the great commission for us. Let's read together this morning, rather, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, entitled this sermon, The Great Commission. Verse 8 says these words, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. These words, although written in Acts, echoed by Peter, are written in red. These are the words from Jesus Christ. Words from our Lord, words from our Savior, a man that came to earth and accomplished his part of the mission. A man that came and on a cross said, it is finished. And with these words, Jesus gives his marching orders to the Christian church to go. This is the great commission, and you will be witnesses unto me. This is the business of the church. This is the business of every Christian, of every church member. It is to be a witness to Jesus Christ. This is in my opinion, in what I have been taught by the Christians that have gone before me, the very sole duty and aim of every believer in Jesus Christ. To fail, to evangelize, to fail, to witness can come at the cost of thousands, if not millions of souls like China To fail to witness is to fail to bear fruit. To fail to bear fruit shows separation from Jesus Christ. Even as a branch is separate from the vine, it dies. It has failed to reproduce. A separated branch will wither and ultimately die. You and I are to witness through what we say. The words that come out of our mouths witness to Jesus Christ. A witness this morning must have firsthand knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Has to have firsthand knowledge of who Jesus is, what he's done. Son of God, Son of Man, died, rose from the dead. The gospel. You know, a brother, a sister in church, a a believer, a Christian, can repeat what they've heard and use some understanding to speak about some things. We hear a brother and how they witnessed, and it brought someone to Jesus Christ, or 
we hear our pastor praying in the prayer room and we begin to say the same words. And to an extent, that's okay. We're learning. But there comes a time where that individual needs to get a revelation for themselves. They need to have a firsthand experience with Jesus Christ, a knowledge of the Lord. An effective witness is someone that has this firsthand knowledge. Without contact with Jesus, the very best witness will fail. It'll be nothing but our own abilities, our own opinions. If we have not been spending time with Jesus Christ, one, we're probably not witnessing, and two, if we are, we will be failing. We will not have the impact that we need to have. Some people say, that's why I don't witness. I need some time, but that's not biblical. Every man or woman that was saved directly by Jesus Christ, Jesus would instruct them, now go and tell them what the Lord has done. Now go and tell them that you have met the Lord. Now go in your way, giving praises to the Father. Now go instantly. You and I, the moment we get saved, we're called to go. We read about people like this in John 4, 39. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. We know the woman at the well, an adulterer, unclean, but she gets saved and the entire city turns to Jesus. Why? Because of words that she said. There was power in their words. People knew. She had came in contact with Jesus Christ because of what she was saying. They looked past her background. Can you picture that? This entire town, they knew. They knew who this girl was. Right? High school, you know who that girl is. You know who that guy is. This town knew who this woman was. But because of her words, the entire city gets saved. The Church of Acts had great preachers. You're talking about Paul, uh, Barnabas, Peter, Apollos. You know, we have great preachers too. Yesterday I listened to four preachers. I'm telling you, we have great preachers in our fellowship. Telling you, I saw a preacher get up and for four minutes read one scripture and then broke into song for 30. We need preachers. Another one gets up in white Adidas shoes, black windbreakers, 60 something years old, a red t shirt with the Bible college on his back. Four gold rings, a gold watch, gold bracelet, Dolce & Gabbana glasses, and a gold necklace with a Mercedes emblem on it. Telling you, church, we have great preachers in our fellowship as the New Testament church. But still, listen to what I'm going to say. We have great preachers, but still, still, the greatest 
way of witnessing, the greatest avenue of evangelism is and will always be a one-on-one -on -one witness. We need preachers, but we also need these that can have a one-on-one -on -one witness. Someone that can minister to somebody, bring them to salvation, begin to love them, care for them as a babe in Christ. This is the greatest way of evangelism. Not only by what we say, by, by what we do. You and I, we're called to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. Anybody like salt here? I like salt. My mother-in-law gets real, I don't think she puts salt and pepper on the table. You're going to eat my food, and you're going to eat it how I serve it. <laughs> so, My pastor, you, you can't put the salt shaker in front of him. He starts looking in the cupboards, looking for that, that bottle. <laughs> no matter what it is. He hasn't even tasted it yet. <laughs> I don't use salt and pepper. They don't give that to you in jail. I just got used to never using it. Amen. <laughs> I eat how it's served to me. But salt is, it adds flavor. You and I, we're called to add flavor to this world. The Bible says we're the light for this world. Not to be puffed up and say, oh, look how great I am, but that our light would truly shine. Old, old song, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. This is what's going to illuminate, completely light up the path for everyone else to get saved. Your light. It's like a floodlight. As you're living for lighting up the paths for other people to come and be saved. And even though the Pharisees preached, still Jesus rebuked them because they failed to do what they preached. Rebuked them. You guys are great preachers. You guys know the laws and you guys can quote the entire Torah. Jenna, the whole Old Testament and the, the book of the laws and the histories and the major and minor, you guys know everything, but you do not do what you preach. And so we come and say, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, fellowship, and this is what we do, but do we really do it? Or do we live from Wednesday to Sunday? There's no really evangelism, witnessing, following up. Spending time and investing in people's lives, ministering to those. And a lot of us, we can talk the talk, right? Yeah, you can talk the talk. Can you walk the walk? Most people can talk it because they know the gospel. They can read the scriptures and show people what the gospel is. And then we can even, in turn, go to someone and say, this is what you need to do in order to follow Jesus. But, you know, some Christians, not, not in this church, okay? I'm, I'm just, this is just for us to learn, right? 
some Christians have issues talking about prayer. Why? Probably because they're not praying. Some Christians have a problem talking about you need to read your word. Why? Probably not reading their word. Tithing, offering, sacrificing, pledging. They have a hard time ministering these things because, you know, the power of our witness comes through our experience. That's where our power comes. It's from our experience. It's an old saying that I was learned, we will always have a hard time ministering if the minister is not ministered to. If we're not being ministered to, and if our relationship with Christ is not growing, we are going to have a hard time imparting that into somebody else. But when a Christian has accepted and implemented faith, You know, you can't have faith without sacrifice. It's not really faith if you're not sacrificing. It's just a duty, something that we do. But faith, it comes at a cost. And Christians that have accepted this and they're implementing faith, it is easy for them to turn to somebody else and say, God will do it. Yes, I know the devil came along demolished your marriage, but God. Yes, I know you have a history of violence, but God. You see, people that have experienced these types of testimonies, these interactions and these encounters with God, they can look to somebody else that is going through the same thing and say, but God. This is where our power comes from. This is, it's from our experiences. We can turn to somebody that's homeless and say, say with me, but God. Right? Our sons and daughters are not in the faith. They're living for the world. But God. This is where our power comes from. We want our children, at least I do, I want my children, I want this next generation to know but God. No matter what happens, but God. What we say, what we do, and who we are. I like that saying, you can't fake the funk. Anybody remember that? No, 70s? You know, this is where we hear sinners look at the church and say hypocrites. One of the reasons why we hear that. Because people can tell a genuine Christian, even if they're a stone-cold sinner, somehow they can tell a genuine Christian.
people in the Bible, they came along. Here's Peter and John. Other believers, and they're looking at these men. They're listening to them speak. They're watching what they're doing. They're seeing who they are. And the Bible says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, what did they see? They perceived that they were unlearned, right? Most of us are unlearned, <laughs> right? I did not go to seminary school. I had somebody come up to me yesterday, ask me what college I went to. I didn't, sorry, not this guy. These men looked at the boldness of Peter and John. They realized that they were unlearned. The Bible says, and they were ignorant. But then they marveled at them. They marveled at Peter and John, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Because there's an imparting. There's something that, something that gets on you, right? Something that gets on you. When you've been in the presence of Jesus, there's something that gets on you. Singing songs, he set me free. What a mighty God. And come on and give. And you're just singing in your cubicle at work or you're on the forklift. Ooh, come on and give the Lord the highest praise. And then you're just going up and down. The people look at you crazy, right? Yeah, crazy for Jesus. Paul. Paul said, if I'm out of my mind, it's for Christ. When people look at you, can they see Jesus? When people look at me, can they tell I've been with Jesus? Or is it only when I pick them up for church or spend time here in this building with them? Can they see it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday? I got all these songs in my head today. I don't know why. Can they see it in you every day of the week? Every day of the week, can they see it in you? There's a spirit that carries onto or latches onto a real Christian. An autobiographer tells that in the heart of Africa, among the Great Lakes, he ran across black men and women who remembered the only white man they had ever seen before. His name was David Livingston. He declares further that their dark faces would light up. Jeez. That their dark faces would light up as they spoke of the kind doctor who passed their way years before. They did not understand a word that he spoke, yet they felt the love that it was in the heart of him and had never been able to forget him. It doesn't matter how well-versed and linguistically blessed you are. It's how you live. It's who you are. You can't fake the funk. When our trials are coming and our faith is being tested, it's what we do, it's who we are, what comes out. What we say, what we do, who we are. Take a look at how the Great Commission is important to where we are today. What are we to do? Christ says in Jerusalem and Judea. In that time, it simply meant where you live. 
where you live. Our homes are of great importance for the great commission to go forward, to be ministered to. If that means I'm a husband, I'm being the best husband possible, and my wife is being taken care of. If I am a father, I am being the best father possible to the sons and daughters that I am responsible for. If I am a son, if I am a daughter, I'm doing my part in the home, whether that's chores, whatever it is. I'm doing my part, and by doing so, I'm ministering Christ. My home could see Jesus. There's not a city in this country, there's not a county, state, or time zone, or country in this world that will survive if the homes aren't united. If there is division in the homes, there's broken marriages, countries will collapse. It's the same for the kingdom. Our homes have to be intact. Christ has to have access You know, if we can't win our children to Jesus when they're young, they stand a much harder chance when they get older. Much harder chance. Jerusalem and Judea also meant local, outside the home. Judea, this was just in close proximity. This means in our church, communities, residents, cities, Maybe when you go to the store, you're not such in a hurry, but you stop and talk to people. A lot of you, you've seen me at restaurants. You've seen me at stores, and I'm joking with people, prodding with people. I'm not always preaching Jesus, but showing love, caring for people, taking time to honor the waitresses. You know how hard their jobs are? Honor them. They could be in their seventh hour of their eighth hour shift, uh, having a heck of a time, tired, dragged out, and your little joke and corny little smile and love could brighten the rest of their day. The Bible says when you do this to a stranger, you could be entertaining angels. But no, we're, we're such in a hurry. Such in a hurry. It's not Wednesday, I'm not ministering. When was the last time you had a fellowship at your house? When was the last time I had a fellowship in my house? To these in close proximity to us. That a babe in Christ, if they're not ministered to, they won't survive. They need the love of Jesus. And a lot of times it comes through us. Jesus also says in Samaria, Samaritans were of Abraham, but outcasts of the true religion at that time. It's a small minority of people. Christians are called to preach to the masses and the individual. The one solitude person that seems to not have 
a person in this world caring for them. Christ also says to the ends of the earth, you know, Christianity is a world-known religion. Jesus didn't just come and die for Bethlehem or Israel. He came and died for Carson. He came and died for Long Beach, Wilmington, Compton, Torrance, Gardena, the whole South Bay, L.A. County. Tri he died for wherever there is a living soul. You know, if I didn't believe that Jesus cared for all men, I wouldn't believe he cared for any man. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world. For Jesus to only die for a certain region or race is very ignorant. It would violate the very definition of Christ. You know, it's sad when a certain Christian or Christ-like individual will only reach to their own. Well, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. <laughs> you know, yesterday I was uh, preached at that church. I was the only white guy there. The only white guy there. And I was instructed, you just go with however God leads you, Pastor Adam. I said, oh, all right. <laughs> I was one white guy in an entire church of black people. I had a great time. There was a commonality. Their people loved Jesus. And nobody saw the color of skin. Granted, one young boy, about 22 years old, walks up to me and said, man, Pastor, it took guts rapping in front of a bunch of brothers. Brother on the drums had this jazz, uh, uh, jazz beat going on. I said, yeah, 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 I can. Got up there and I rapped. Great time in Christ. Jesus doesn't know any lines. There is no boundaries of economic statuses, this side of the track to that side of the track, or that skin color, or that skin color. This, why, this is why it's called the Great Commission. It's because of purpose and power. This can't be done by man alone. We can't think that we're just going to, out of our own strength, we're going to get this done. This also can't be by God alone. For our nation is to turn to God's, it's going back to God and God's kingdom. It's going to require men and God with the power of the Holy Ghost to work cohesively together. Together. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Some people think that this is only for chosen people. It's not. It's for anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord. This power is for everyone. Take the church of Acts as I close this morning. 
as Pentecostal Christians? What did the church do for the earlier believers? Up until this day, no man had ever been born again. Men followed, learned, watched, imitated, listened to the teachings of Jesus. But for the first time, Christians were able to be born again and reproduce themselves, that spirit. They were able to transfer who they were into somebody else because there was a common spirit that could dwell in every single one of their hearts. You ever come across a brother or sister and you know something ain't right? I know. Their tie is straightened. Their dress is nice and, you know, ironed. Their hair is combed. Something's not right. Because there's a common spirit. It's a transferring. It was this fact of reproduction that the power of God through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Ghost, was able to change lives. So a question that I ask myself is, why do some people lack this power? Why aren't people doing this? Why aren't people reproducing themselves? Living for God outside of the church calendar, Wednesdays and Sundays. come from a lack of commitment depends on how you look at it we could all be committed to church but what about the commitment to this commission what about the commitment to Jesus Christ we're not living for the church we're living for Jesus and we're living for those around us. That's why we're li- that's why we're here. Can't expect Pentecostal power, which was meant to bring salvation to the world, to have any impact if the vessels aren't serious in their witness. Acts five thirty two, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When a man when a woman gives themselves committed to be a witness, God imparts the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal power to get it done. When that happens. You know, there's no other purpose, really, in life that's worth discussing. There's not. There really isn't. I thank God for our job. I Thank God for healthy kids. I thank God that they get good grades and you know, they could do things. And I thank God that, you know, I can count to 10, right? I could do, I got a little bit of ability, right? But really, when we're fellowship, when we're talking, when we're, you know, the only purpose really worth talking about is the Great Commission. The saving of souls that we as branches can have power to bear fruit, and fruit we must bear. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one 
who abides in me while I abide in him produces much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. I close with this. I read a story of a missionary in China. It's a book I picked up in Prescott, The Road to China. It's a really good book. And this man was said to be more familiar. Uh, this missionary going into China, he said this man was uh, said to be more familiar with things Chinese than any other man at that time. And because of this, a great oil company sought to obtain his services. So they sent a representative to offer this missionary a salary of $10,000 a year. This was in the 1970s, 1972 to be specific, $10,000. When the missionary refused, the representative went up to $20,000. Missionary still refused. Now this oil company says, okay, we need your ability. We will pay you $30,000, 1972. Missionary still refused. That's what the oil company did. And what's it going to take is what they said. Name your salary. A lot of us in here said, amen. Name my salary. Unlimited. Open checkbook. (laughs) In reply, the missionary said these words. The salary you offered first was large enough for me. I'm only making $1,000 right now. It is not your salary that is too small. It is your job. I have a bigger job than you would ever be able to offer. What can this world offer you to pull you, to pull me away from the Great Commission? Is there an amount, is there something that can pull us from that? Or can we look at the world and say, that's too small? Because in the same sight, we're looking at souls saying, that requires the sacrifice. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning.